Hi, everybody. I am Carrie Schaefer, sometimes known as Carrie Ann King. Welcome to the other worlds. I am one of your guides and portal opener. Um, my co-guide uh, and ghost roommate is Nolan Ash. That's me. And um, our guest today is Kat Howard, the author of A Slight of Shadows. The Other Worlds is part of the family of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and we are very proud to be members. Kat, a little bit about Kat. We're just going to give you a little bit here before we get started. Kat Howard is a writer of fantasy. You can correct any of this if it's wrong. I stole it from the internet, but I did not get the chat bot thing to get it for me. Um, I was tempting. Could start doing that. Science fiction and horror who lives and writes in Minnesota. Neil Gaiman calls her a remarkable writer, which is really probably all anybody familiar with fantasy needs to hear to make you yep. want to go out and you know read a book. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, A Slight of Shadows today, which is book two in the Unseen World series. Book one is an unkindness of magicians. Um, and before we get into any of that, we're just going to have a little bit of, I was going to say fun, but not really, because we're going to bring out the tarot cards. And mm -hmm. tarot does not always translate to fun and um, needs to be taken with a little bit of grain of seriousness, actually. So, yeah. So today, the deck that we are using, and we change our decks a little bit. Carrie and I both have a weakness for tarot card decks, so we collect them. Um, but do. today, we're going to use one of my decks. This is the Gilded Tarot, it's and lovely. they are gorgeous. So we're mm. going to let Kat. Kat knows that world best. So Kat, you're going to direct all of your energy at the cards today. So tell okay. us, you know, kind of be thinking about what, what you, you know, how you connect to that card in that world. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Here's our card fresh off the deck. We have, interesting card here, the Emperor card. It's back in oh. the right spot. He's a great looking dude. Uh, this is, they're such pretty cards. I just really such are. authority. So, Nola, tell us a little bit just about the Emperor in general, and then we'll go into this world and we'll see, you know, what he might be doing there. All right. He is card number four in the major arcana. And so the emperor is all about kind of healthy stability. He's about kind of that well-functioning order, the rules, the guidelines, kind of like you would have a, you know, someone who is kind of overseeing things. Um, the caution with him is to be too much of a stickler for the rules that you don't know when to bend them. And so... This is kind of our guiding force, our overseer, the one who's kind of laying down those rules of society that we need in order to function well, but also knowing when they don't necessarily need to be followed to the letter. That's the emperor. Oh, that's a really, that's actually a very good card for this book. It's, a, mm. it's I'm trying to think exactly. <laughs> in, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> hold that thought, listeners, because what we're going to do now is we are going to travel <laughs> through a portal into another world. Are you ready? I love it. Oh, we're here. Look where here we are. We are. <laughs> wow. So Kat, you are the creator of this world. 
Mm-hmm. So if you would tell us where we are in kind of space and time, what, what do we see around us? Where are we? What's the location? And then we'll get a little more into the magic that's involved in this. Absolutely. So the world, the Unseen World, um, which is the setting for these two books, there's only two books in the series. So we are done after this one. <gasps> I know. <laughs> yeah, though. It's sad face. That's it. <laughs> That's that's the end. Um, All right, fine. <laughs> I know. Okay, um, but it takes place in a modern set, very like ours, uh, New York City. Um, okay, so, so if- New York City. I've been there once. <laughs> I interrupted briefly, so I'm seeing great big tall buildings and trash on the streets and cars and traffic and people everywhere. Maybe not so much with the trash on the streets a lot of the time, although there is, nope, nope, now that I've said that, I can think of actually a scene where trash on the street does play an extremely key role. Um, But most of the time- Central Park? Central Park is very important, and this is sort of Upper East Side, Upper West Side, the very wealthy enclave secrets, you know, these are, these are people who have a lot of power and a lot of money and- can get pretty much whatever they want. So like exclusive New York. Um, exclusive. But, but also, yeah, Central Central Park is there and there's they, there's something, if you've read the first book, there is something nasty hiding in Central Park. Um, so let's, let's assume people have not necessarily read the first book and we'll talk about that a little bit, actually. I, I love this. So suppose we were coming in just into the world at the beginning of that first book. Mm-hmm. What sort of, there's kind of a magic, uh, a big magical event going on. Can you tell us a little yeah, bit so about the, that the, magical the event? Book, um, the, the events of the first book are structured around an event called The Turning. Um, there are various houses in the unseen world, um, and you'll find out a little bit in a slight of shadows how long these things have been existing and going on and things like that. But in an, in, in an unkindness of magicians, we start out and there's this thing called the turning, which is basically a magical duel to the death that this um, enclave has every generation or so. Sometimes it shows up a little bit earlier than it's expected to. Um, and so it's this big magical tournament and the houses compete against each other with fabulous ornate spells and magic to show to show power. What this is is about power because if you win at the end, aside from surviving, which is generally seem to be a good thing, um, <laughs> you also then Bonus. get to be charge of the unseen world um, and sort of run things next time. And there's a lot of power that goes with that. Um, and you know, we, we can kind of see, you know, kind of see why, why you'd like that, you know, winning is good. Like I said, the, the survival is also, is also a bonus and, and not everyone does. And that is something that is actually pretty important. Um, also during the, the, uh, turning in the unseen world, there's a, um, the turning is great because if you are a magical person with power who was not born into the unseen world, this is your chance to sort of make it in there. Um, but it's also a, a, a thing where, you know, a lot of, a lot of scores are settled here because you can pick which other magicians you challenge and everything else. And so if you have somebody that you just, you know, hate for whatever reason, you can say, you know, okay, while we're doing this, I'm going to put my magic up against yours. And hey, maybe you're not going to make it out of this one alive. Won't that be nice? <laughs> um, Won't that be nice? I love that. Um, <laughs> and how many so, times I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah. um, and in all of this, we find out that, um, you know, the unseen world is not quite the sort of, you know, everything's great and fun sort of world that it likes to present itself as. It has 
not just a dark side, but a rotten underbelly. Um, and we find out sort of what that rotten underbelly is, um, that that would be the somewhat nasty thing in Central Park that I mentioned. Um, and, uh, and, and what, what, what the consequences of having that in this place and in this group of people are. Right. Now, if I were just a normal mundane human being and I was walking through Central Park where this nasty stuff is, I know in, in the, in, in the, in, I wouldn't accept there is something in the slide of shadows that I think perhaps I would. Right. Okay. So you wouldn't be aware of or most, most, yeah, <laughs> most magic is actually going to be invisible to you. If you are a mundane person, part of actually being in the unseen world is making sure, in fact, that magic is kept invisible from mundane people. They don't want the little people to know about it. You know, it's, it's one of those kind of deals. Um, but in A Slight of Shadows, some, some things that have been haunting the unseen world sort of come back. They come back to the surface. They make themselves physically manifest, um, and it's it's such an intense thing when this happens. Um, there's so much latent power and latent emotion in that that even the mundanes they don't notice that it's magic. You know, they're they're not walking through the park and they're not like, whoa, look at that over there, flying dog walkers. You know, like. It's, it's <laughs> that um it's they're they're walking through the park and they feel cold and they feel sad and they feel awful and they actually feel like they would not want to be around this thing they they they, they need to go they want to go they want to you know hug their little children and get the heck out of there um because it is a deeply unpleasant atmosphere to be in for them so. I have really enjoyed getting to know this little world and kind of the layers, the, the layers that you can and cannot see, things that are changing, things that our magicians can control, things they can't control. That's, I love having that kind of, you know, even the, the world itself is kind of battling against them. It's not just each other. In yes. this book, especially kind of as we're, we're getting geared up in the beginning of Slide of Shadows, that magical world is, is almost starting to push back and that's kind of a fascinating thing and that was really it and that was really when i was thinking about um because it was also this this series wasn't planned as a series it was an unkind some magicians was originally supposed to be a standalone book i thought that i was done and so um i wasn't writing that one with an eye to okay what do i need to have it happen or set up or anything like that and so the nice thing about that was that when i had the finished book i could sit there and really think this is what i did what are the consequences of this going to look like um which was both a fun problem for myself and also a horrible problem for myself <laughs> you know you could have made this a lot easier um, curse you past cat um but you know, sitting there and going, yeah, you know, this is, people aren't going to be happy about this Who <laughs> about what happened. And the thing is, you know, like, it's like I said, the, the setup in there is very much what I felt what happened. This was what, what, what made this, the unseen world exist and all the interconnections in it were huge, big, old, complicated spells. The kind of thing where you would say, oh, you know, that really took a, took on a life of its own. Well, when you're writing fantasy, you can actually make something like that take on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. uh, and Absolutely. so bringing, bringing that forward and saying, yeah, actually, if you have, if you have something this large, it can. Um, 
Well, because you become, as a writer, especially of a fantastical world like you've created, you are a magician of sorts in that you have to function within your own rules of magic that you've created. You can't ignore them. You can't. And the magic in, in the world, in this unseen world, comes at a cost always. Mm -hmm. yes. It's we're we're not talking, you know, Harry Potter wave a wand magic. We're talking every time you cast a spell, it's going to hurt you or somebody else if you know how to do that. So right, yeah. There's a you know the one of the things that that started this this series for me. There's a the, a quote from the Last Unicorn from Peter S. Beagle. I um, love that book. Isn't it wonderful? But Sorry. yeah, so you'll know. He says, you know, magic isn't about um, you know having somebody else do this. It's about cutting out your own liver and not expecting it to grow back. Right. And so you, you know, that you have to have that magic has to be sort of this deep visceral thing, you know, and that, that was very much what I wanted to put into these books. So we do have a question. We have a little challenge. So your okay. main character's name is Sydney. Yes. Yes. And Sydney is amazing, by the way. Um, she, yes. Great she's, um, she is a great character. She's very, She's very powerful. She can be ruthless, and yet she also can be um, very compassionate and very giving. So she's very complex. Um, so <laughs> the, the challenge we have for you today, um, for Sydney, I'm not sure about this one at all, but the question that came from, from a, a viewer reader was this, um, can this magician make my dog talk? Make your dog talk? Yes. Well, see, this is actually a very complicated question. It is. It depends it? on where we are in the series. Um, because uh, part of the issue is, is that, you know, Sydney is sometimes very, very powerful magically. Right. And sometimes can barely light a candle magically. Right. And so, so slight of slight of, of, of shadow wise, we really are kind of mostly at a stage where she's not being capable of really doing any magic at all. Right. It, it, but, you know, so let, but let's, let's assume for the sake of the challenge that she does have all of her magical powers and abilities. Um, I think she would ask the dog if it actually wants to talk. Um, I think she's not going to force anybody to do anything they don't want to. So if the dog is like, yeah, whatever, I love this person. And also we need to have some discussion about why I'm not getting more steaks. <laughs> um, you know, then she'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, we'll do this. And you you let me know that when you want this to be over and we'll limit it like that and everything will work out fine. And, you know, but also if the dog is like, uh -uh, I hate this dude. I think <laughs> what's going to happen is that this dude is going to be dead and Sydney's going to have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, the dog appears to love this person, so we'd be okay. Um, so the 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 cost to Sydney though would be um, there. There would be a price she would have to pay. There, there, to there would definitely be a price that she would pay. Um, again, so this is this is partially why she's going to want to make sure that the dog is is okay with things. But you know, you know, it it it's also going to you know like 
I'm assuming that whoever's asking probably knows her and knows the world. They wouldn't know to ask otherwise. Right, um, and true. so, you know, if, if we walk back a little bit further into why the question is being asked, you know, maybe it's being asked because the dog seems to be in pain or hurting or something like that. She feels like she can help the dog by helping the dog talk. You know, if there's, if there's a reason that justifies the consequences, you know, again, if it's just like, hey, this would be funny, you know, well, make your own dog talk. <laughs> Right. And there's, right. there are very physical symptoms that come with doing magic, which I really like because when you think about, you know, most of us, when we're reading things about magic, we, we read about it, you know, it's coming through their body. It's like, it's part of their, their cellular makeup almost. And so using that, like you'd use any other part of your body and expending that kind of energy, we experience physical symptoms, even as mundane people, when we do that kinds of things, but there are very physical symptoms that happen to the characters in this world when they do that. And would those symptoms then be worth those smaller spells or not? You know, I guess you do kind of have to determine, is it worth it? Yeah, I mean, and that was, that's absolutely one of the questions that I hoped that the book would raise in people's minds is, you know, things like, you know, if even if you have magic, even if this is, you know, your thing and it's no big deal, you know, are you gonna, use your remote control to turn on your television or are you going to do a spell like what is the most useful and useful way and what is the way that's not going to leave you you know wiped out or having a bloody nose or whatever it is and it was also i wanted to show that there were sort of like levels of spells as well so like the difference between i'm going to go take a walk around the block and i'm going to go run a marathon kind of magic and so mm -hmm. i want to show that the, the the difference in how it affected the magician as well like what is going to take more out of you and and really put that physic the physicality in there to demonstrate that right well do we want to um talk about this tarot card now and how you see it fitting into this world i've been trying while we've been talking to think which character we would connect with and i I absolutely know the character and I cannot say it because it is absolutely an enormous spoiler. So <laughs> unfortunately, and it's a spoiler for slight. It's not even a spoiler for unkindness. I might've said it if it was just a spoiler there, but no, I, so I, I okay. can't say that, but suffice it to say that there is a character who's very much into rules and order and things going as they should. Um, and we see also what happens when when the strict letter of the law interpretation of how they should kind of bumps up against what might be the moral interpretation. Um, and so that's, that's part of why I think this, this card was so great for this book, because we see not only that character, but other people in, in the story as well have to say, you know, what, what do the, what exactly do the rules mean? Right. Um, and not only should we break the rules, but maybe should we completely undo them? and right. start over right what so, if the so, rules are wrong <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Even, they may not be the best rule yeah even if they're old rules even if they're the rules that founded this particular society that have been a foundation a literal foundation of the magic for you know a couple hundred years and things like that that maybe it's time for a change i like that and i think that it's kind of fun that the readers are going to have to read the book to find out why the <laughs> Right, exactly. So I mean, I think that's totally appropriate here. And I love that you can say without a doubt that card fits, yes. but you're not going to tell us how. And I love it. That, that makes me very happy. It does. But yeah, I'm no, easily was, pleased, I guess. But I love it, was, it. it was it was kind of a perfect card. So 
<laughs> it's so much fun when that happens. Well, Kat, where can people find you um, if they're looking to connect with you online? If they're looking to connect with me online, um, I have a website, cathowardbooks.com, um, and there is a contact form and other things that I have written and all sorts of information there. Um, if you're looking sort of more casually, I don't think Twitter has exploded yet today. Um, and so <laughs> you, you can find me currently on Twitter as Cat with Sword. You can also find me in the same handle at Instagram right now. Um, I write a little bit about writing in poetry and prose and things like that on a substack called epigraph to epilogue um and so if you want sort of long form thinking sort of essays that are about other people's writing and not about mine um that's a good place to look to awesome well we will be looking for those things um go look for cat's other books cat's been involved in uh, graphic novels as well and um there's short stories there's all kinds of fun stuff out there so have a look the current book is a slate of shadows which is out uh 4 april 25 very and, soon, yeah, very soon. <laughs> coming right up all right. Thank you for joining us in the Thank other world. So Thank you for having me. This was a blast. <laughs> Stay with us here for just a minute, Kat, and we'll be right back. Excellent. <laughs>